greet each one this morning in the name which is above every name. In that name where every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. It's good to be here this morning. A few faces that I know, but most of you I don't. I see a few snowbirds here, but uh, good to see you again. Brings a lot of memories back, being here, being a brother-in-law to Leroy. Uh, I'll just share this. We used to live in this county years ago. In fact, my wife and I were married here in this county. 1972, 1973, my wife got born again, 1974, I got born again here in this county. This morning, I'm very grateful for the grace of God. I'm very grateful for the love of God. I'm very grateful for his long-suffering, his patience. I appreciated the discussion this morning, but you know, brothers and sisters, outside the grace of God, none of us will make it. Outside his long suffering will never be forgiven. You know, the Bible is full of doctrine. You'll never exhaust the Bible in preaching, but I feel compelled this morning to share. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, and uh, First John chapter 4. I'm not here to share this, but I feel compelled. When I said I appreciate the grace of God, I appreciate the love of God. Back in August of last year, I had an accident that I ended up in the hospital. And uh, long story short, I shot a ring shank nail in my leg into the bone and went into the bone five-eighths of an inch so I had to have surgery to take it out and uh, 
my body reacted against one of the antibiotics they gave me and <clears throat> I was so close to death. I passed out. <clears throat> my blood pressure went down to 60. My heartbeat went down to 30. And <clears throat> I was over on the other side. I was out of the body. Floating in perfect peace. Looking back on the edge of the earth. It was my wife, my six children, 18 grandchildren in the Cornerstone Church, all in a row. That's it. This is the grace of God in its completeness. This is the love of God with no hindrances. So this morning, I do want to share on love, what it is and what it does. What it is and what it does. <clears throat> First John chapter 4, just for some scriptures for the foundation, starting in verse 7, beloved let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins, the substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Let's go to Galatians 5. I want to read a few scriptures here. Here in Galatians 5, a very familiar scripture for the 17 works of the flesh and nine fruit of the spirit. I just want to read a few verses here. Starting in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Let's jump down to verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that have Christ, they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desires of vain glory, provoking one another, ending one another. Here, the Bible says, for the... For the fruit of the Spirit is love. And all the other fruits come out of love. And in order for me to teach and exhort and preach on what love is and what love does, I, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. I don't know, I'm not going to get too far, I don't think, but that's okay. The doctrine of love is a good doctrine. It's the highest, most important doctrine. And it's the grandest and the greatest doctrine above all else, above anything else. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13, a very familiar scripture, but brother and sister, it is so easy for us to read these scriptures and read over these words and not get the depth and the width and the heights and the length of what these verses are saying. Before I read 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read some in, verse, in chapter 12 that brings it up to chapter 13. Chapter 12, starting in verse 1, talking about 
the nine spiritual gifts for the church. And later on, there's other gifts. But I'm going to read the first ten verses of the nine spiritual gifts for the church. And they are important for the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away among these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give to you to understand that no man speaketh. Wherefore, wherefore I give to you to understand that no man speaketh but the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. That no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. And to another various diverse kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues now let's go to verse 27 in chapter 12 now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular and God has set some not all but some God has set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets thirdly teachers after that miracles then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gift. Yet I will show you a more excellent way. These are gifts and for the church. And I'll get to some more later on, Lord willing, in Ephesians. They are gifts for the church. They're needed in the church. But covet earnestly any of the gifts above. I'll show you a more excellent way. And here is the more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. <clears throat> Let's remember the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is what comes forth of a man or a woman or a son or a daughter that is born of the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He that has the, has the Spirit of God, he that has not the Spirit of God is none of his. Is that a scripture? 
He that is born of the Spirit has the Holy Spirit. He that is born of the flesh is, is flesh. So the fruit that comes out from the Holy Spirit living within us is love. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is love. And I'm going to park there for a while. There's nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We read that in John chapter 3, what we call the new birth scriptures. Ye must be born again, born of water and of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit lives within us, produces a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have love, what does that mean? What does that mean to us? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, now, statistically, someplace, 6,400, 6,800, someplace between six and 7,000 languages, known languages in the world, outside, not counting the dialects. If I would, could speak, or if you could speak, 6,800 languages, and known languages, and have not love, it profiteth you nothing. That's what the Bible is saying. Though I speak with the tongues of, it doesn't say man, the tongues of men. There's, the last statistics I gathered was 6,800. The last week somebody told me 6,400. Last week somebody told me there's 6,800, and that includes the dialects. Doesn't matter. Let's just say between six and seven thousand. I have a friend in Kenya, Africa, that knows of probably twenty-four languages, and he amazed me. He captivated me when I was there. In fact, there were three people groups together when we had services, and he was the interpreter. So I preached, and he translated three different tongues. Then I preached. He translated three different tongues. That captivated me. He knew, he knew 24, 25 languages. If you can speak the tongues of men, 6,500 languages, and don't have love, you have become. It also says the tongues of angels. I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. What's the tongue of angels? Probably the languages that Paul heard when he was caught up into the third heaven. Right? What did he hear in the third heaven? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians just to back that up. Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse, 14, in verse 2, 
Here is part of his own testimony. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Didn't really matter to him. He had an out-of-the-body experience. You know, when I had an out-of-the-body experience last fall, people asked me, did you see, did you look back and see your body? No, I didn't. So I feel a little bit the way Paul does here. If it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But where I was was more real than this meeting today because this meeting is very temporary and very temporal. That over there is for eternity. I cannot tell, let me, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such in one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. I believe that's probably languages that angels speak. If you know, if you know 6,500 languages and you know you can speak the languages of angels and don't have love for God and love for mankind, it is absolutely worthless. It's nothing. It doesn't mean nothing. It is like two, two pieces of brass banging and clanging together, tingling each other. No harmony, no melody, just an empty noise that profits not one person in the whole world. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, I have the gift of prophecy. Let's look at verse 10 in chapter 12. And to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy. Now let's look at verse 28. And God has set some in the church, not all, but some. In the church, first apostles, second prophets. Though I have the gift of prophecy, all mysteries, all knowledge, and all faith that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. I do believe. That God has prophets for the New Testament church. Not necessarily maybe like the Old Testament was. <clears throat> Let me just turn to Hebrews chapter 1 for that. Hebrews chapter 1. For God, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he, by whom also he made the worlds. So here, there, there is 
God has set some in the church with a prophetic ministry, with the gift of prophesying. You know, the Bible tells us in, in Revelation, in, in Proverbs, the Bible tells us where there is no vision, the people will perish. For you that know German, do you know what the German word is, the sentence is for that? Does anybody know? Thank you. Wo kein Weissagen ist, war die Leid wild und wisch. Where there be no prophesies, the people become wild and wicked. That would be translating it. I know that's Old Testament, but it has New Testament spirit. <laughs> so prophet, though I have the gift of prophecy. This is a gift for the church. And this is a gift from God. Someone that is black and white. You know, someone that is black and white. Somebody that can see on the other side of the hill. To some of you, a prophet wears a 10 power binoculars all the time. He sees danger coming on the hill. And God has given the church, the New Testament church, those gifts. And that gift for the church, he gave some, not all. You know, and I'm going to be say, I'll say this. I thank God every church needs a few prophets. But they need also the gift of mercy. If the church would be full of prophets, it would drive sheep to market. But let me tell you, if everybody would have the gift of mercy, 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 and I am so grateful for the mercy of God this morning, things would fall through the cracks. That's why mercy and truth have met together. How does that, how does that verse go finish? Psalm 85. Righteous, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and truth have kissed each other. Thank you. Righteousness and truth have kissed each other. The, the man that has the gift of, uh, to, to be a prophet needs to feel a need for the brother of mercy. And the man that has the gift of mercy desperately needs the prophet. Yes, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Remember, every true thing or doctrine or gift is from God, and he ordained it. Satan has a counterfeit for all those gifts. Satan has a counterfeit. And let me ask you a question. How do we discern the difference from the true and the false. By their fruit. No place do we read in the scripture that as man is known by his gifts or by his ability, but we're known by the fruit. A local church, a local body, 
that is becoming indifferent, I'm going to say lax, loose, lustful, and lazy. And starts down the road of apostasy. And I'll say worldliness. Open themselves up to another spirit, to another gospel, and to another Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And let me tell you, there is another Jesus. There is another gospel. There is another spirit that's alive and well today. And that other, that other Jesus, I met the creator of the universe. I met him. A personal encounter with him in 1974. But this other Jesus does not carry a pitchfork and grows horns. He looks and probably smells like the real one, but that's a counterfeit. How do you discern which is the true Jesus and which is the false Jesus? We're to, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing out the need and the importance of the gifts that God has given to the local church and for the local church. Nevertheless, without love, the true love for God and love for mankind, how vain it is. Here, how do we discern? You know, not one individual has all the gifts. And it's not God has not decided it. He gave some this and this and this. But I do believe we are students of the scriptures and we go through the Bible that all these gifts in its context, in the new covenant context, if they are active, they are here. Here... Let me just read in Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God onto a perfect man, onto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Now let's look at verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive us. And I'm saying this. These gifts are active and obedient to their calling. It's a tremendous security to keep the church from apostasy. Here it is. Till we all come to the unity of faith for the perfecting, for the maturity of the saints. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, the perfecting of the saints, that henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every uh, wind of doctrine. 
So I'm bringing this out about prophecy. People that are prophetic, you know, the church that becomes lax, loose, lustful, and lazy, slay their prophets. They don't want any part of it. They slay their prophets. Why do they slay their prophets? Because they don't like to be told. They don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be admonished. They don't like to be kicked out of their comfort zone. And they don't like their cage trap. It's a live and let live spirit. But there's churches, and I'm not here to preach about that, that slay their prophets. And I'll say it unless that church repents. Woe unto that future of that church. <clears throat> Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. <clears throat> God has set in the church men with a prophetic ministry. With the gift of being a prophet. <clears throat> they are here for the New Testament church, but though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. Now, if it would say understand some mysteries, all of us understand a few mysteries. Yesterday we heard in the wedding about Christ and the church, this is a great mystery, but, I concerning, but it's concerning Christ and the church. There are mysteries. You know, there were 330-some prophecies or predictions in the Old Covenant pertaining to the coming of Christ. The New Testament was in the Old Concealed, but the Old Testament is in the New Revealed. So the Old Testament saints had many mysteries. And we as New Testament saints, still there are many mysteries. Many mysteries. There are hidden ministry, hidden mysteries. Like I said, in, in Ephesians 5 is where Paul talks about the husband-wife relationship, but that's a mystery. The kingdom of heaven has mysteries. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. The mysteries of God, we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians 15, there's a mystery about spiritual bodies. In, 1, in Timothy 3, we read about the mystery of faith. In 1 Timothy 3.16, we read about great is the mystery of godliness. Just a few verses I brought out of the scriptures to show the many mysteries in the early church. Yet even in today's church, there are still thousands of mysteries. And I'm going to say there are mysteries that are still mysteries to us. That if we really want to know the answer, we have to wait till we get there and ask. All knowledge. Listen. Listen, all mysteries and all knowledge.
One of the spiritual gifts for the church is the gift of knowledge. A wise man full of wisdom and has all knowledge and knows everything. And knows everything. If there would be an individual in this universe that would have all knowledge, no man could teach him anything and he could never learn anything because he knows everything. There's not one thing he doesn't know about. God has all knowledge. We will never be like God. But if we would know as much as God knows and don't have love, it profits us nothing. To ha- Listen, what's the world population today? A little over 7 billion? Is that what it is? If you would have all knowledge you would know what over seven billion souls standing is with God. If you'd have all knowledge, you would know that. But if you'd know that without being baptized in the love of God, it would profit us you nothing. It wouldn't mean nothing to you. And it, it might mean something to you, but doesn't mean anything to God. That's what I wanted to say. Think of it. If you would know the standing, the spiritual standing of seven billion souls and not filled with the love of God, it profits you nothing. Verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith, I don't know where to start and stop with that. I have all faith. You know, if you have the faith as the grain of mustard seed and you come to Christ as a sinner with a grain of mustard seed, God will not reject that. He'll accept that. But if you have the the gift of all faith so that you can remove mountains and have not love, you're nothing. I'm nothing. Let's look at Luke's chapter 17, uh, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Verse 20, Jesus said to them, you know, here is when they, his disciples were trying to set people free with demonic strongholds and they couldn't. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place it shall, remove, be, it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 17. 
Luke chapter 17. Verse 6. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this sycamine tree, now listen to this. Be thou plucked up by the roots, and be thou planted in the sea, it should obey you. Now tell me, how can a man plant a tree in moving water? Faith, as the grain of a mustard seed, would make that possible, according to the scriptures. But here the Bible says, if you have all faith, that just, that blocks my mind. If you have all faith, and you're not filled with the love of God, for God and mankind, it's nothing. It's nothing. Having enough faith to remove mountains, enough faith to say to this tree, move yonder, and have not love, doesn't mean anything. Having all knowledge, knowing all languages of men and of angels, also have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, have all knowledge, know everything there is to know in the world. Nobody could ever teach you anything, you could never learn anything because you know everything and have all faith. If you're not filled with the love of God, it profiteth you nothing. It's not that God, these things that I just read above here, it's not that God doesn't value, put a value upon them. But God always matures on the matures. It's so easy for us as human beings to mature on the minors and minor on the matures. <clears throat> Moving mountains and trees would indeed be a miracle and, achieve, and an achievement in the eyes of men. You know what a gram is? What a gram is? You know how much a gram is? I don't know if you're hunters or you do your own reloading. You know, this bullet takes 50 grams of powder and this takes 30 and this takes 100. If you take one gram of faith, one gram of faith, that's a, that's a mustard seed. You can remove mountains. You can do this and do that. I'm just spiritual. I'm, I'm sure that's spiritual. But I'm bringing it out. Mankind often minors on the majors, but God majors on the majors, and he minors on the minors. True love. One gram of faith in God's account is much greater value 
and worth than anything else in the world. Let me go back to uh, time to close here. First Corinthians 13 again. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. If we sell out all that we have and own, divide it out equally to the poor, and withhold our heart from a full surrender to God, it will profit you nothing. If we give all that we have to one person, If we give all that we have to one person, this is one thing, if we bestow all that we have, or if we bestow all that we have in small portions, that's what I wanted to say, to small portions, to touch as many poor people as possible, it would be a greater accomplishment, and they would bury you as a celebrity. Books would be written about us. Our generation would pass it on to the next generation. If you would give everything you have and reach as many poor people as possible. It's a good deed, but without love, it would be nothing. It's not that that doesn't mean anything to God, but I'm just bringing this out to show us how much different God thinks than what we think. My body to be burned. Though I'm willing to lay down my life in the most cruel manner, give my body to be burned to ashes and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It profiteth me nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Remember at the beginning I said, I want to share and preach what love is, is, and what love does. Here is what love does. Suffers long, is kind, charity envies not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Church, charity, thinketh no evil. Before we ever say something evil about another person, we have to think it. Charity thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. <coughs> 
Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I'm known. And now abide us faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. May the Lord bless and keep each one of you. And remember, as we go through life, the love of God constrains us. But there's a false love out there. We need to rightly divide the word of truth and discern. I'll tell you this. That false love is a pink teddy bear that floats through the mystical clouds and doesn't cost a dime to serve. If you want to discern the true from the false, you need, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be able to prove what is the good and the perfect and acceptable will of God. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let me just say in closing that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And on behalf of what we talked about in the Sunday school, about overcoming Brother Jake, if we get to the place that we hate our bondage, we hate our stronghold, we hate our sin, victory is right at the door. That's how we overcome, by hating our habitual habit. Let's kneel for prayer. <clears throat>